You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. If you got a neighbor sitting next to you, just say, I think you really need to pay attention today. Because I think God's got something special for you. Mm-hmm. Now tell yourself that. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're in Eastertide. That's the time between Easter and Pentecost. And so we've got, once again, uh, several weeks in between. And during Eastertide, every Sunday is, is a reflection on those post-resurrection experiences and encounters that people had in the scriptures with the Lord Jesus. And so today we're going to look at Thomas. You know a lot about Thomas? Yep. I doubt it. Doubting Thomas. Okay, we're going to look at Thomas and we're, we're going to look at uh, his post-resurrection experience. But for us to get kind of a feel for who Thomas is, I want to take us back to John chapter 11 and kind of look at uh, one of the places where Thomas speaks up among the 12. <clears throat> Beginning at verse 3 of John 11. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus, Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you're going back there? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks in night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but the disciples thought he, was me he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you can believe but let us go to him. Now Thomas speaks up. Then Thomas called Didymus, which means the twin, said to the rest of the disciples, let's, let us also go that we may die with him. You got that on your refrigerator? Your verse of the day, your inspiring verse to just get you fired up the challenge today. This is the kind of person that Thomas was. He, he was a realist. He saw things at this point in his walk, in his journey with Jesus. He still sees things very, very much from the natural. <clears throat> he, he knows that they, they wanted to kill Jesus last time they were there, and he's sure that they're not going to miss an opportunity this time. And so 
He is devoted to Jesus. I'm not sure he thinks Jesus's plan is a good plan, but he's gonna follow Jesus. And he realizes it could mean costing him everything. So we pick it up in John chapter 20, beginning at verse 24. Now Thomas called Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. This is Easter Sunday. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe it. A week later, guess where we are? Or a week later from Easter. His disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors had, were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Right on. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you send the Holy Spirit to us in a, in a way that would cause us to have ears that would hear, hearts that would receive everything that you're speaking to the church, speaking to us as your sons and daughters today, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was looking at what they call the first Sunday after Easter, I found that in the Catholic Church, they call it the Divine Mercy Sunday. I like that. I thought, ooh, anybody need Divine Mercy today? Lord, go back with mercy me, Lord. <laughs> Let the mercy fall. And I, and I just think, you know, in the book of Lamentations it says, and his mercies are new every morning. Every morning his mercies is ready to meet us as soon as we wake up in the morning. And he wants us to know that his mercies are there to greet us because he's so faithful, he's so faithful. And so I think it's just amazing how he always pursues us. He pursues us. If he rebuked the disciples on Easter Sunday, because they didn't believe Mary Magdalene, as we saw last week, they didn't believe her. And if they didn't believe the two disciples that were on the road to Emmaus and they came back and said, we've seen the Lord, and he rebuked them, I'm wondering what kind of rebuke he's got for Thomas, because now all the disciples except him has seen the Lord later that day on, on Easter Sunday, and they said, the Lord is risen. But Thomas didn't believe it. So in, in my way of thinking, this guy is going to get a royal rebuke. If he rebuked the other, the other 10, 
because they didn't believe what is in store for Thomas. He's really going to get it. Huh. So let's look at this. Interesting. Because Thomas says, unless I see the nail marks, put my finger, hand in his side, I'm not going to believe it. So a week later, the scripture says, his disciples were in the house again. They're all gathered. What's happening? Thomas is with them, so they're all present now, except for Judas, who's hung himself. The doors are locked, which isn't a problem for Jesus. He manifests, he appears, and Jesus came. Just stop right there. And Jesus came. Do you know, you can lock the doors of your own heart to the Lord, but he has a way, his love has a way of pursuing you in such a way that he knows how to get past locked doors. He wants to be invited in. I think it's always good to be invited in, But when he knows what we really want is for him to come in, but for whatever reason, we've been hoodwinked and we think that we need to lock the door to protect ourselves, he knows how to get through the self-protection. And Jesus came again. I love that. I just love the fact that the Lord always comes it's part of his masculine nature. I think the masculine nature of God is that he initiates, he pursues. His feminine nature is he wants to be pursued. Right, ladies? Any lady here that doesn't want to be pursued? No, no. (laughs) We want to be pursued. And here he is, he's pursuing us. He's pursuing us. Jesus is pursuing us. And there he comes and he stood among them. First, peace, shalom, wellness, wholeness, everything that's there, peace. Hmm. Then he says to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Now that's just words on paper you may interpret that with your own perception of how Jesus said it. Jesus could have said, stop doubting and believe. I think that's the way the enemy always wants me to hear it. Like Jesus is had it with Thomas up to here. And if you don't stop that doubting Thomas and start believing, I'm gonna take you to the woodshed. You know, it's, 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 it's almost like a threat. But I think as you, as you get the heart of Christ, you see that he will go to any length to the individual person who has a difficulty believing, but I believe in their heart, they really want to believe. But they have difficulty believing and he knows how to go out of his way and to have an encounter with that person so that they understand how much he loves them, how much he will go out of his way, how much he, the Lord of the universe, will humble himself and come to us on our terms because that's what love compels. 
And so since God is love, he comes. He humbles himself. And he gives Thomas an encounter with him that blows his doubt, blows his unbelief right out of the water, and gives him the ability to, to believe. That's important today. Wake your neighbor up if they're falling asleep. We've got to stay awake because this is good stuff. You want to make sure you hear this. And Thomas's response is, my Lord and my God. I think he got it. I think when he saw the nail prints, when he saw Jesus, when he saw the side, he realized who the Son of God truly was. Yes. Mm. So encounters with Jesus after he rose from the dead are so important for us to get an understanding of the gospel. It really helps us to understand how this stuff works. Because Jesus appeared to them individually in a way that they recognized. Maybe not at first, but they eventually came to receive and understand who he is. So when you look at your life journey and you wonder what's God doing, he hasn't, he hasn't shown up in a brilliant light and just knocked me down and, and, and said I'm Jesus, like he did the Apostle Paul, but he will have an encounter scheduled for you of which you will then see, oh, that was the Lord. And he may manifest his love to you through another human being who is working in tandem with his heart in loving all of us. And so as we see this, it's like, okay, Lord, do it, do it. When you come to that knowledge of who Jesus is and receive him as the resurrected Lord and believe that he is who he says he is, there is something that happens. There is an encounter that takes place. I want us to look at that from this standpoint because Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is yours forever. And every encounter and every experience that you have with Father, Son, Holy Spirit is yours. And I'll explain that a little more in just a second. Proverbs 25, 2 says, it's God's privilege to conceal things and the king's privilege to discover them. Guess what? In this context of this proverb, he's talking about it's the divine thing to conceal, it's the human thing to pursue and try to discover. And so it invites us to pursue understanding and to pursue revelation. Lord, what is it? It's our privilege to discover these things. And every time you have an encounter like Thomas has, when he discovers that it's Jesus and he sees the wounds and he says, my God, my, my Lord and my God, that is an encounter, that's an, a gift that he had that he realizes and he believes and there is a transformation that takes place in his heart where once it was filled with just natural doubt, now it's got a supernatural understanding of how much Jesus actually loves him. Deuteronomy 29, 29 <clears throat> says this, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. 
The secret things belong to the Lord, but when he reveals those to us, they're ours and they're our children's. I think of when I came to the place of discovering who Jesus was. I was in fourth grade. I'm at the altar at the Free Methodist Church because I've heard the gospel and I knew I was a sinner and I just knew for sure I was going to hell because I stole a candy bar at Harry's Hardware Store and I knew that was unforgivable. I was gonna be eternally damned and spend eternity in hell. And under such conviction, I went to the altar and I asked the Lord to forgive me. And he came and he cleansed and he forgave me. And I'll never forget as a, as a fourth grader what it felt like to be cleansed of my sins. I was forgiven. Guess what? Back then they had a, a, a bubble bath commercial that was going on and they had the little boy in the tub and he got so clean and the expression was he was so clean his mother wouldn't know him. That's how clean he was. And that's the only thing, as that bubble bath was going and as Jesus cleansed me, I thought, man, I am so clean, nobody's gonna know me. I am so clean. And I remembered how wonderful it felt to have the guilt and the condemnation and all the things that I've done wrong. Because at that time, you know, we're 10 years old and it's really fun when the parents aren't around to start using the four letter words and see how we can put them together and sound really cool and all this kind of stuff. And I knew that all my sins were forgiven. It was just like, wow. That which has been revealed, the saving grace of the Lord Jesus is yours forever. It's yours forever. Yes. You have that forever. So what am I saying? Next time you feel really dirty, you've made some poor choices, and the devil is beating you up one side and down the other, and you're hearing all this stuff of what a rotten person you are, and how can you call yourself a Christian because you said this and you did this and you stink and everything else that he throws at you? You can just go back and just say, hold on, I've had an encounter with the Lord. It happened many years ago, but guess what? God never changes. He's not bound by time and space. And when I go back to the place of my salvation, I'm at the altar and I'm crying and I realize how his love and forgiveness has washed away my sin. I'm right there and I feel squeaky clean again. Now to make sure that you're not mishearing me, I'm not saying some kind of new age weird stuff. I'm just saying that your God is eternal and he never changes and he's not bound by time and space. And the problem is we are and when life and the enemy and our adversary comes against us and all of a sudden we've lost our awareness of who he is, he can manipulate our emotions a thousand different ways. But I can go back to what has been revealed to me 
and experience it all over again. <clears throat> Julia, as you got baptized, and as the Lord came upon you in, the, in your baptism, if the devil has done any of his nasty stuff since then, which I think when we make a step toward obedience and a step toward the Lord, I think the kingdom of darkness notices that and they apply even more attack, more pressure, more subtle, ugly stuff, you know, and it, it goes, Go back to your baptism. Go back to your baptism. That's real, that's yours. That's not just a place where we, we put up a couple stones and, and, and we remember that we crossed the Red Sea or we crossed the Jordan River or we had a victory in war here. These are things that are not just historical remembrances, which is the way I used to see them. I used to say, yeah, I got saved in fourth grade. And go on. Just a historical ditty until the Holy Spirit says, you remember what happened at fourth grade? You remember how full of guilt and condemnation you felt and how Jesus came and lifted that off of you? When the enemy tries to put that back on you, you can always go right back to that and remember that that was a manifestation of God's presence and love for you that's forever. It's forever. You can go back there. You can also go back in a moment of anxiety. Anybody have any anxious moments these days? <clears throat> I remember when I was on assignment and I had, I had to uh, present a teaching in the afternoon and I'm gonna do something more on a contemplative kind of spirituality kind of plane. And I'm in Costa Rica, and my translator, Otto, is, is looking, and he's kind of looking over my notes, and, and he just says, oh, this isn't gonna fly. They have no concept of contemplative spirituality. They won't understand a thing you're trying to say. And I thought, well, that's really encouraging. But the Lord met with me early in the morning and his supernatural peace came upon me. And as that peace came upon me, I told this incredible translator, don't worry about it, just follow. And the Lord showed up and we just had an incredible experience but if, the, if I didn't have the peace of the Lord and I was working out on my own natural realm and I realized, oh, here is an incredible, knowledgeable, intelligent, you know, Spanish-speaking person and he knows these people and he knows they're not gonna get it and all this kind of stuff, I would have just been trembling. It would have just been, I would have been totally unnerved. But I had the peace of his presence. And when you have an encounter, that's yours forever. Do you realize you can live with peace if you've ever had an encounter where Jesus manifested himself as the Prince of Peace to you? You can have peace in any situation that you encounter. Absolutely. By just saying, oh Lord, I remember. And, and oftentimes what I do, I, I come into a situation, I don't know why I'm all stirred up. I don't know what's going on. 
But I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and remind me of a time when Jesus appeared and manifested himself, an encounter that I had with him that will be what I need in this situation so that I can get recalibrated, lined up, put back together, and at peace. Boom. Think the Holy Spirit would do that for you? Yes. I think he would. I think he loves you way more than you realize. I believe he wants to do more for us than what we want him to do. Matter of fact, I think most of the time we're putting things out that say, please stay at bay when he's wanting to invade. He's wanting to come and to comfort. He's wanting to, to bring revelation and peace. He's wanting to give us what we need, but we keep him at arm's length. And it's like, no, today let's put our arms down and invite him to do whatever he wants to do. In a sense, to put your arm out. And that's what I see Thomas doing. He had some doubts. He had some, some hurdles that he had to get over. But when he saw Jesus, when he encountered Jesus, it made all the difference. I don't know about you, but I've read a zillion books, it seems like, and one is how to do what blah, 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 about this issue and about this issue and about this issue and about this issue. And what I find is they all really are good at describing the problem, but nobody's very good at giving you the solution. And their solutions are, huh? But here's the solution. It's Jesus. It's an encounter with Jesus. It's an encounter like Thomas had with Jesus where Jesus went specifically to that area of doubt that Thomas had in his heart and just said, I know I'm the king and I don't have to do this because I'm wonderful, but I love you so much. Put your finger right here. Put your other finger right here. Check out my side. You know, he humbles himself to us because he loves us. And when you have an encounter with him at that moment, it doesn't matter what the environment, what the circumstances are going on, you have something that is yours forever. So I have an overwhelming memory that I forgot all about. I was in the counseling room and I was helping somebody get connected in the process. I was doing the same exercise and I just said, Holy Spirit, remind me of a time that you want me to remember when I was connected with Jesus in a profound way. And he brought to, to remembrance something I completely forgot about. Never in that moment would I would think of that situation, but as he brought it to me, guess what? Because my God is not bound by time and space, and that's not just a historical memorial to something that the Lord did in the past, that he's not continuing to do, to do in, the, uh, in the present, it's like, I connected with that, and the very expression of this peace that was in this experience came right to my new experience. And it was just like, wow. Are you getting this? Does this make sense? You feel like you're at a new age seminar today? No. I think this is biblical, folks. I think this is, this is the Lord. I think this is what he wants to do for us. I think this is, and I'm thinking, you know, maybe today 
is going to be the first day that you encounter him the way he wants you to know him. Here's what I do. I was talking with Debbie about this just yesterday. I think as Christians, sometimes we're very stupid because we don't maximize our opportunity. And most of us sleep six to eight hours every night. I know some of you only sleep four. Some of you only sleep two at a time for frequent urination. But <laughs> you've got your night season. And I, 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 I keep trying to explain to people that your night season is your best discipleship program. It's your best intimacy building program with the, with the Lord. It's the best time for you to look at sleep as something that's sacred. Look at going to bed. I, I get excited when I think about going to bed because it's exciting because it's time, it's sacred time. My mind goes offline. I go into a subconscious state. And as I've shared before, one of the things that I pray before I go to sleep is, Lord, if there's anything that you're pursuing in me and I'm resisting you tonight when I sleep, I give you permission to do whatever it is that you wanted to do that I was resisting during the daytime. Make sense? Anybody follow that? Anybody ever resisted the Lord on anything? Okay. So it, it that. then I've expanded to just say, Lord, whatever is in my heart that doesn't belong in my heart, as I sleep tonight, it's like I'm signing the surgical permission slip for the surgeon to operate after the anesthetic of sleep has been applied. And I say, take out exploratory surgery, take out any and everything that doesn't belong and put in everything that you want me to have. That will mess you up in a wonderful way. Because there's a lot of us that don't even know what to ask the Lord to put in our hearts. Because we, we haven't experienced the kind of love that he has for us. And so when he starts putting it in, we don't know what he's done. We just know that I'm starting to see things a little different. I'm starting to feel a little different about things. I don't know what all he's done, but he's doing something. I've added it, Lord, where I got my wires crisscrossed, where the positives to the negative and negatives to the positive. Has anybody ever felt like your circuit system, your wiring system's a little off and white's black and black's white and up's down and down's up and left is right and right's left and what, whatever disorientation. I just say, Lord, would you rewire everything that needs to be rewired and let him, let him do that. And he does. And then I ask him to remove all the agreements I've made with the devil. Anybody get up this morning and say, I think I'll agree with the devil today. We don't do that. But how many know you've agreed with the devil? Probably before you even got to church. In, in, in the spirit realm, the power of agreement takes two. Two for something to, to be agreed upon. Jesus taught that to his disciples as he was heading to the cross. If two or more agree concerning anything upon the earth, so shall it be. And so the devil counts as one. And so when he whispers and says, oh my stars, you see how you look in that mirror? 
Whew, and you say, yeah, I know. That's, uh, that's, <laughs> that's an agreement. That's an agreement. You just forgot to turn in your taxes. And the enemy comes and says, you are so stupid. How can you be so irresponsible that you forgot to do your taxes? He's saying that. You're looking. I didn't mail them in. Yeah, I'm pretty stupid. That's an agreement. That's an agreement. And the enemy tries to get us to agree with him as, in as many ways as he possibly can because that fills our heart. And the more agreements we have in our heart with the evil one, guess what? We have less space to love the Lord your God with all your heart. It's like, okay. So Lord, remove the agreements. Because as the agreements keep getting built one upon the other, pretty soon they become a self-sustaining system. It may have started when you were four. And now through elementary and junior high and high school and early adulthood and all these things have been stacked up to where now it's a self-sustained system. It's operating all the time in your life. We call those strongholds. So I say, Lord, remove the strongholds out of my life. I don't wait until I'm aware that I have a stronghold because most of the time I'm so deceived I don't know that I have a stronghold. So when I ask the Lord to remove the strongholds out of my life, he does it. They're not demons or we cast them out. But there is something about the demonic that's all around them because they're based on lies and untruths. And so they get a lot of playing time with it. And so we need to ask the Lord to remove them. My challenge to you is to pray this prayer every night for the rest of your life. But if you don't believe me, try it for a week and see what happens. If you really wanna get bold, try it for a month and see what happens. I've had so many testimonies of people being healed, people being set free, people finding functional illnesses in their body. All of a sudden, the body's functioning correctly. It's like, oh, that's good. All this from Thomas. The encounter that you have with the Lord is yours forever. Let's just take a moment right now and just invite Holy Spirit to remind us of a time when we were very, we felt the closeness of Jesus in a very profound way. Holy Spirit, would you come and do what you do? Release to each one of your children um, remembrance that may have just been cataloged as a historical thing that you did way back then, but bring a revelation that that is theirs today. You know what they need. Bring them the revelation of Jesus, of his love, of his peace, of his nearness, of his closeness that they need for today. Bring it now. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.